Story fourteen of the Strength of Gideon and Other Stories by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Trustfulness of Polly Polly Jackson was a model woman. She was practical and hard working. She knew the value of a dollar, could make one and keep one, sometimes fate permitting. Fate was usually Sam, and Sam was Polly's husband. Any morning at six o'clock she might be seen, basket on arm, wending her way to the homes of her wealthy patrons for the purpose of bringing in their washing, for by this means did she gain her livelihood. She had been a person of hard common sense, which suffered its greatest lapse when she allied herself with the man whose name she bore. After that, the lapses were more frequent. How she could ever have done so no one on earth could tell. Sam was her exact opposite. He was easy-going, happy-go-lucky individual, who worked only when occasion demanded and inclination and the weather permitted. The weather was usually more acquiescent than inclination. He was sanguine of temperament and highly imaginative, and a dreamer of dreams. Indeed, he just missed being a poet. A man who dreams takes either to poetry or policy. Not being able quite to reach the former, Sam had declined upon the latter, and instead of meter, feet and rhyme, his mind was taken up with hosses, gigs, and straddles. He was always just behind them policy shocks, and I'll be bound, Polly, but I goin' to catch em dis time. Polly heard this and saw the same results so often that even her stalwart faith began to turn into doubt. But Sam continued to reassure her and promise that some day luck would change. And when it do change, he would add impressively, it's going to change for sure, and we'll have one waking up time. Then I'll bet you get that silk dress you've been wanting so long. Polly did have ambitions in the direction of some such finery, and this plea always melted her. Trust was restored again, and hope resumed for her accustomed place. It was, however, not through the successful culmination of any of Sam's policy manipulations that the opportunity at last came to Polly to realize her ambitions. A lady for whom she worked had a second-hand silk dress, which she was willing to sell cheap. Another woman had spoken for it, but if Polly could get the money in three weeks, she would let her have it for seven dollars. To say that the companion of Sam Jackson jumped at the offer hardly indicates the attitude of eagerness with which she received the proposition. Yes, am I can surely get that much money together in three weeks, the way I's workin. Well now, Polly, be sure, for if you're not prompt I shall have to dispose of it where it was first promised, was the admonition. Oh, you can pin on me, Miss Moten. When I sets out to save money, I can save. I tell you... Polly was not usually so sanguine, but what changes will not the notion of the possession of a brown silk dress trimmed with passementry make in the disposition of a woman? Polly let Sam into the secret, and, it be said to his credit, he entered into the plan with an enthusiasm no less intense than her own. He had always wanted to see her in a silk dress, he told her, 
and then in a quizzically injured tone of voice but you ought to waited until i catch dem policy shocks and i'd a got you a new one he went even so far as to go to work for a week and bring polly his earnings of course after certain little debts which he mentioned but did not specify had been deducted but in spite of all this when washing isn't bringing an especially good price when one must eat and food is high when a grasping landlord comes around once every week and extracts tribute for the privilege of breathing foul air from an alley in a room up four flights when i say all this is true and it generally is true in the new york tenderloin seven whole dollars are not easily saved there was much raking and scraping and pinching during each day that at night polly might add a few nickels or pennies to the store that jingled in a blue jug in one corner of her closet she called it her bank and sam had laughed at the conceit telling her that that was one bank anyhow that couldn't bust as the days went on how she counted her savings and exulted in their growth she already saw herself decked out in her new gown the envy and admiration of every woman in the neighborhood she even began to wish that she had a full-length glass in order that she might get the complete effect of her own magnificence so saving hoping dreaming the time went on until a few days before the limit and there was only about a dollar to be added to make the required amount this she could do easily in the remaining time so polly was jubilant now everything would have been all right and matters would have ended happily if sam had only kept on at work but no he must needs stop and give his mind the chance to be employed with other things and that is just what happened for about this time having nothing else to do like that old king of bible renown he dreamed a dream but unlike the royal dreamer he asked no seer or prophet to interpret his dream to him he merely drove his hand down into his inside pocket and fished up an ancient dream book greasy and tattered with use over this he poured until his eyes bulged and his hand shook with excitement got him at last he exclaimed "Dey ain't no way for them to get away from me i's behind em i's behind em i tell you and then his face fell and he sat for a long time with his chin in his hand thinking thinking polly he said when his wife came in do you know what i dreamt about last night la sam jackson you ain't gone to dreamin again i thought you done quit all dat foolishness now just listen at you runnin on you ain't never axed me what i dreamt about yet it don't make much difference to me lessen you can dream bout dollar more into my pocket they has been such things did said sam sententiously he got up and went out if there's one thing above another that your professional dreamer does demand it is appreciation sam had failed to get it from polly but he found a balm for all his hurts when he met bob davis what exclaimed bob dreamed of a naked black man for the lord's sake sam don't let the chance pass you got em dis time show i put something on it myself what'd you think if we'd win de capital that was enough the two parted and sam hurried home he crept into the house polly was busy hanging clothes on the roof 
where now are the guardian spirits that look after the welfare of trusting women where now are the enchanted belongings that even in the hands of the thief cry out to their unsuspecting owners gone all gone with the ages of faith that gave them birth without an outcry without even so much as a warning jingle the contents of the blue jug and the embodied hope of a woman's heart were transferred to the gaping pocket of sam jackson polly went on hanging up clothes on the roof sam chuckled to himself she won't ever have the chance to scold me i'll get to drawn's early this evening and i go marching home with a new silk for her and money besides i don't want my wife wearing no white folks second-hand clothes no how ma but won't she be surprised and tickled i can just see her now oh mr policy shock i got you now i've been laying for you for a long time but you's my meat at last he marched into the policy shop like a conqueror to the amazement of the clerk he turned out a pocketful of small coin on the table and played it all in gigs straddles and combinations i'll call on you about half-past four mr mcfadden he announced exultantly as he went out faith sir said mcfadden to his colleague if that nigger does catch it he'll break us sure sam could hardly wait for half-past four a minute before the time he burst in upon mcfadden and demanded the drawings they were handed to him he held his breath as his eye went down the column of figures then he gasped and staggered weakly out of the room the policy sharks had triumphed again sam walked the streets until nine o'clock that night he was afraid to go home to polly he knew that she had been to the jug and found he groaned but at last his very helplessness drove him in polly with swollen eyes was sitting by the table the empty jug laying on its side before her sam she exclaimed where's my money where's my money i've been working for all this time why why polly don't go beatin round the bush i want to know where my money is you took it polly i dreamt i don't care what you dreamt i want my money for my dress his face was miserable i thought show them numbers had come out and the woman flung herself upon the floor and burst into a storm of tears sam bent over her nemine polly he said nemine i thought i'd surprise you they beat me this time he clenched his teeth but when i catch them policy shocks end of story fourteen